Welcome to the Conversations with Jesus podcast. I'm Johnny Lehman, a baptized man of God who has the amazing blessings of being a husband, father, and the pastor at Divine Savior Church in West Palm Beach, Florida. This podcast is designed to bring you the self-sacrificing love of Jesus found in the Bible through 15 to 20 minute episodes that focus on relevant life issues and what God has to say about them. Check out our website, DivineSaviorChurch.com, as well as our Facebook and Instagram pages if you'd like to find out more about the incredible things that God is doing through our church family. This week in our Mission Possible series, we take a minute to celebrate the harvest. We think about how amazing God's power is working through the word to change hearts across ethnic boundaries, socioeconomic boundaries, political boundaries. God's love truly is universal and his grace covers all of us. So let's celebrate the harvest. But in order to do that, we need to know what gospel ministry success looks like. And that's the focus of this week's podcast. You could read a million business and self-help books that all have different ideas of what success looks like or how to gauge it. Tell me if any of this sounds familiar. If I spend X amount of time with my kids, I'm being a good parent. If we save X amount of dollars for retirement, we'll be set. If I make X amount of dollars or have X amount of square footage in my home, my career is successful. If I have X amount of followers or friends on social media, I'm somebody. If I make X number of trips to visit family, I'm being a good sibling or child. If I don't make X number of trips to the clinic, it's a good month. Well, notice the common denominator in all these scenarios. Please pardon my math humor. But it's the focus on numbers, right? So often we celebrate success only when the numbers tell us to do so. Now, don't get me wrong, numbers are a gift and they help us analyze and make decisions, but are numbers everything? As we keep going in our deep dive into the church's mission, are numbers what we're looking for? Is the success of the gospel based on how many members we have listed in our church database? Or is our success based on a different standard? The disciples in Matthew 28 had to give some serious thought to that too. As Jesus tells them to go into all the world, how do they know they are being successful with that? How would they know that Jesus would look at them one day and say, well done, good and faithful servant? After all, this is a huge vision. All nations, Jesus? Everyone? Really, Jesus? How are we, a little team of 11, going to accomplish something like that? The numbers seemed to tell them it was far too ambitious of a goal for them to experience numerical success like that. Are the numbers whispering the same things in your ear too? Do we have a habit of evaluating our spiritual lives in terms of numbers? Questions like, how many times have I gone to church this month? How many Bible studies or volunteer groups have I been a part of? How many days have I had a devotion? How many spiritual conversations have I had with people? Now, don't get me wrong, setting goals can be extremely helpful in our walk with Jesus. But the sin we often fall into is when the goals 
become the be-all and the end-all, when the goal becomes the identity. When we start to analyze the numbers and say, well, God must find me to be pretty great. After all, look how many times I've been to church, look how I'm serving. And naturally, this leads then to the comparison formula. If I, as I look at my number of good things, I'm greater than so-and-so. Look at what I can do. I've shown love to God. And we fall into Satan's ancient trap. The idea that we can prove we are spiritually successful in God's eyes purely in our own self-sufficiency. Here's the problem with such an ambition. God's perfect standard of measurement, the law, reveals that we will never win in that numbers game. We will never measure up on our own. We will never balance the scale. The numbers in our spiritual life, they're never going to add up by our calculating or our power. Do you think we do the same thing when we think about our church? How do we measure success? By how many in worship? How many in Bible study? How much money is in the bank account? How many members? Is that all the church's mission is? Is it is really all we do simply a chasing of numbers so we can put them on a piece of paper and say, we're a successor at Divine Savior? Numbers dictating our gospel ministry? That's what the devil would like to see. He would love it if we either felt boosted in our pride by numbers or felt devastated at the lack thereof. He wants us to see success as the world does. But Jesus is something far deeper, far better, something far more accurate to show us what spiritual success looks like. But because of sin, we often miss that truth. The disciples knew about this personally. Throughout their training with Jesus, they were constantly trying to prove they were better than one another. They played the comparison game nonstop, so often, almost became a refrain of Jesus saying, oh, you have little faith, or don't think of yourselves as the world does, or serve first, right? How many times did he say something to that effect to them? Because they were focusing on success the way the world looks at success. They focused on the number of miracles they could do or the number of people who admired them. And they hoped that through those things, that would make them number one in Jesus' eyes. Of course, the reality was they were number one in Jesus' eyes, but not in the way they envisioned it. You are number one in Jesus' eyes too, because Jesus isn't about numbers. If you found that statement to be confusing, that's good. That was an intentionally confusing statement. I'll say it again. You are number one in Jesus' eyes because Jesus isn't about numbers. When Jesus sent his first church members, and as he sends us as current church members, you and me, into the world, it was never a numbers game, but a vision. A vision revolving around bringing people from death to life through baptism and teaching, building relationships as we love others, Jesus' goal isn't to track numbers. His goal is your heart. Because he's after your heart and love, he breaks us down and we're stuck in the comparison game corner. Through our conscience and the law, he shows us the real comparison, not us versus other humans, but us versus God. As our sins continue to hit an even more astronomical number than the national debt clock, so our God's sin number hit... It remains at zero. We see our spiritual failure. 
But it's only from that vantage point that Jesus can show us what true spiritual success is all about. He picks us up. And he leads us to the cross. As you stare at its slivers and worn wood, you don't see numbers anymore. You see success. You see salvation. You see the Savior in a place the world would never anticipate. Jesus opens your heart, mind, and eyes to see the most fantastic equation ever. Jesus plus cross plus empty tomb equals eternal success. You realize that you were never just a number to Jesus, not just another feather to add to his cap, but that your heart was his goal. Your heart is what made him wake up every day he walked this earth, going through everything Satan could possibly throw at him, suffering through being abandoned by God the Father. It was all worth it for you. This is how Jesus views success. If even for all of that, he would have saved only you, he would have done it all the same. That's Jesus' brand of success. He leaves the 99 for the one. He embraces the lost child. He takes on all of our sin, death, and guilt because he loves you that much. All the pain and suffering you went through, which the world would say it's not worth it, but for Jesus it was all worth it. For you. Jesus looks at our little church in the sprawling area of West Palm Beach in the exact same way. We're not just a number. We're close to his heart. He longs for that day when we will get to celebrate the completion of his mission in heaven one day. Because here's how Jesus' mission works. It's all about celebration. Celebration for the one. Have you ever wondered why Jesus chose to change water into wine as his very first miracle? You know, if I could do miracles or have superpowers, I can't say that that would be my first choice. But as always, Jesus does everything perfectly. And the selection of his first miracle wasn't a failure, but a smashing success. He wanted to show you and me something. He wanted to tell us something about who he is and his mission. He wanted to show you the day Jesus longs for the most. The wedding supper of the Lamb. We'll get to celebrate our God forever and ever, marveling at his goodness and his grace. He was determined to go to the cross and rise again. But that wasn't the end goal. That was the means to the end. Do you know what his end goal is? It's that one day, you'll get to see him with your own eyes. One day, You'll hear the story about when all of heaven had the biggest party ever when God brought you to faith. One day, you'll get to celebrate with Jesus and never have to say goodbye again. One day, it'll be you and Jesus. Because you're not just a number to Jesus. He has had you in mind since before the first second of time passed. He's had you written on his heart before the first number was counted on a finger. Right now, he is designing and executing the blueprint for your own home in heaven. And he cannot wait to give you the tour. Because you're personal for Jesus. And he will stop at nothing to keep you at his side. Jesus showed his first disciples here what mission success looks like. It's celebration. With each and every moment, you get to love God and others. We get to celebrate that we get to be a part of this mission. We long to do but one thing in our lives, 
celebrate his grace, to shout and get pumped up over his self-sacrificing love for us. When we internalize how personal we are to Jesus, we get excited to share his grace because we want more and more to get to see the party that will never end in heaven, a party full of joy, happiness, and fun as all nations, people from every tribe, nation, people, and language gather around the throne of the Lamb and sing a hymn that will bring us to our knees. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. So as a church, We get ready to celebrate. As we go out throwing gospel seeds in the harvest field, we set a vision and goal for the work God has given us to do here. Not to track our success, but to help us to channel our celebration. God has given us a diverse family from all different backgrounds, experiences, and skill sets. And we get to celebrate His gifts by going out as a disciple, intentionally loved by God, to intentionally grow in His Word, and intentionally spread the good news. You're not just a number to Jesus. You are everything to him. Because we know the personal and intentional love of our God, we forget every number but one. Jesus is number one in our lives. He has made us his number one priority. And in turn, we keep spreading gospel seeds, even if it's all just for one. As we set ambitious gospel goals as a church, we never lose sight of the one-by-one mission Jesus has called us to. As we sit down with each person the Lord gives us to show his love to, we listen deeply and respond prayerfully, always thinking about the celebration heaven is leaning forward to begin. Heaven rejoices over each and every person who's taken by the hand of God into his family through the word and baptism. Celebrate this personal and powerful harvest and don't stop imagining the day when you get to the entrance of that heavenly banquet. Jesus looks at you and tells you the words that no numbers can contend with. Well done, good and faithful servant. Come and enjoy the happiness of your master. Talk about the greatest success story ever told. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Rejoice that you get to spread this good news that brings celebration over all of heaven. God be with you as you live for him and live in the joy that you have in Jesus as a baptized, redeemed, forgiven child of God. Until next week, God bless.